Trans politicians and things like that. Yeah, and it's amazing. They are definitely steps in the right direction. What I think is important for me, and this is me as an individual speaking, and and also in turn a lot of gender funk's philosophy is this, is that um, at gender funk we are not hating, we'll make jokes about it, but we are not hating straight white people at all. Like a lot of, I cry out of straight white people because this is a really important point for me is that at the end of the day, you can't help how you're born. If you're born a straight old white person, I mean, you're not born old, but, like, <laughs> but yeah, if you're old now, you were born 60 years ago as a straight white person. You were born into that experience and you lived that experience and you were educated in that way. That's not your choice. You didn't choose that. So I don't hate you for being born and being educated that way. What, are, what is more important to me is to try and build a bridge and a connection for us to understand each other so we can make the world better for both of us. So I, I feel like there is a radical liberal movement that is like, you know, screw the straight people, white people, they're evil. And, you know, they're not the best, but they're not bad. They're not bad people. That's just how they were taught the world is. And th- we're not going to get anywhere by shouting at each other and creating distance. We need to have parties together and that's what gender funk is it's an invitation to like hey come and have a drink with us party with us and see that this is a great fabulous thing and maybe it will change your perspective so that's why we did like the straight guys edition and that's why like we are an inclusive space is because i have nothing against anyone i don't care what color you are as long as you you can't choose how you were born your experience but you can choose to change it when somebody provides you with different information and you can choose to grow if someone has patience and gives you an opportunity to. If you decide to not grow and not be grateful of that patience, then you're a dick and I will call you straight. But most people aren't. Most people that I meet that aren't white and straight, like, and I talk to them about this stuff, they're like, oh, cool. So what about this? They ask nice questions. And if we're shouting at straight people all the time, like, you've got my pronoun wrong, you've done this, they're not going to ask questions and then they're not going to learn about us and we can't be friends. And at the end of the day, we all got to live in this world and there's more straight people than queer people. So we gotta be Do you nice think to them. that that is, um, I don't want to say part of the problem, part of the challenge is you, you've talked a lot about the queer scene being inclusive of everyone. My queer scene. But, so the I'm not talking about your queer yeah. scene in general. And do you think that straight white people, to just lump them all into one generic group, but it can be many people, do you think they feel, you know, like they don't feel welcome and they don't feel inclusive and the misconception is that they aren't welcome at these events and then they are maybe thinking that I'm going to be yelled at if I say the wrong pronoun. Like, do you think that that's part of it as well? I, th- I think it's, I think it is two things. I think one, <clears throat> I think one, it's, <clears throat> we're at a time where minority voices are really, really loud and very, very like strong. And I think a little bit aggressive sometimes, but you know, I'm not judging that. We need that also. You need gender funk. Gender funk, our way, my way of creating connection between the genders and the sexualities and stuff and peace and happiness is to create a party for us to all hang out together and get to know each other. That's valuable and that's needed. It's patience, it's understanding. But we also need people who are charging the march and being like, yo, listen to us. We need that. You do need both of those things. So I'm not discrediting the, the amazing work that people do across the world and those fierce people. 
they actually are some of the most inspiring people to me. It's just not my way. So I think because when you have such strong voices in minority groups who are, who have been through, you know, the worst hardships, I think people, straight people who are looking at them and going like, oh, they've, they've already been through so much. If I question or ask a question, I might offend them. I don't want to offend this person who's been through a lot. I don't want to look like I'm being ignorant or stupid. And I think that's where one of the issues lies is like being scared of being vulnerable and being scared of being ignorant. Everybody's ignorant. Ignorance isn't negative. The negative thing is if you choose to not try and heal your ignorance or learn more. So I think that's one of the issues is people are too scared to ask questions out of offense. And that means there's no dialogue. So then there's no education and we're not going to learn about each other. No, I completely agree. And I don't think I've ever said this on the podcast, despite the fact that we've had gay people on, pansexual people on. And I've definitely told told this with friends as well, so this isn't a secret. I used to be homophobic growing up. So was I. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I was homophobic. Because it was a a product of, you know, my my family are not homophobic. But maybe sometimes you'd hear the odd comment I remember from, like, my grandparents or the best people in the world be like, oh, there's that queer on the TV or something like that. And I was, uh, I've talked about this on the podcast. I grew up with a football culture, male. You know, I've joked about this <laughs> with friends. It still makes me laugh. You know, the culture I grew up on, grew up in was, if you had a half pint of beer because you didn't want to get too drunk, you're like, can I have a half pint of beer? Oh, what are you, gay? Yeah, oh, he's yeah, fucking yeah. gay. He's having a half pint of beer. And they're like, dude, I'm just having less beer than normal. But that's, so that kind of came from that. And then it is reassuring to hear what you say. That, the thing is that you can be like that, but you have to change, right? And I went to America, and I worked in a summer camp, and uh, there was a guy who was a, camp, a counselor there called Fred. He was a bisexual man. He was a cool guy. He was a dude. He was fine. As soon as I met him, I was like, and I also, I guess it was that time in my life, I was moved overseas. I was in America, by, like expanding my horizons. And instantly then I was like, oh, he's just a normal dude. I'm not homophobic anymore. I've been ridiculous, and I've been brought up in this culture where it's just been, you know, normal. So, but anyway, I was never, I never beat anyone up. I maybe said some rude things that I shouldn't have said, but apart from that, <laughs> anyone I offended, I would apologize if I could meet you today because I am a bit embarrassed about it, but I know it wasn't my fault. You know, it was part of my, up- not my upbringing, the culture that I was brought up in, not from my parents, definitely, not from my family. They're all very open. I have an aunt who's a lesbian and things like that. So it's not that, but um, I do think, yeah, as long as, once you're, once you're provided with the information or a different way of thinking, you don't accept that, well, then you're ignorant. Yeah, or not ignorant, then you're just a bad person. Exactly, and that's the T. It's like, it's not what you have; it's what you do with it, and that's with anything. Like, it's like privilege as well. We talked about privilege earlier. Yeah, I'm privileged. It's not that I'm privileged. That's not bad. I mean, obviously, it's bad in the sense of the world of that it shouldn't be like that. But it's not bad that I have privilege. It, what's bad what is that if I it? just sit there with privilege, like it's what I do in my privilege that counts. And it's the same with that. It's like I don't care who you were. I care about who you're trying to be. And if you're try, I can actively see you trying hard and asking questions to be a better person and to be more loving and kind, then I am here for you. You can ask me any question. I will never be offended because you're, it's coming from a place of kindness. And that is all I care about is people being kind to each other. Like you can scrap off all the pronouns and the he, she's, the straights, the whites, the colors. It doesn't matter. We're human beings that are being kind to each other. And that's what it does boil down to. Of course, that's a very easy, simple thing to say because it is all confusing and all those things are in the world and are at play and we do need to tackle them. <clears throat> so I think on the one hand, I feel like people who are interested in queer people and are interested in being kind and healing are 
too scared to ask questions out of offense, I think they're the nice people. I think on the other side, the people who kind of get angry at the, this kind of liberal queer uprising um, and kind of like, oh, what's the word? When there's like a scale of how privileged... Um, Oh, there's a there's a fancy word for it, but my vocabulary has gone out the window. Okay. Uh, intersectionality, intersectionality. This concept of like it's a scale of privilege, basically. <clears throat> so like at the top you've got the like the straight white man, and at the bottom you've got like a trans Muslim person or whatever. Um, <clears throat> and how like privileged or oppressed your own society. So I feel that for in particularly straight men, I feel like the problem with is is that straight men or straight people feel, straight white people in particular, feel that they are being attacked mm. and asked to do more. That, and that's the issue is like, why are you asking me to call you this person? Why are you asking me to do this? Why are you asking me this? I don't have a problem with this. You're just asking all these things of me and you're asking me to change. And I'm like, yes, bitch, I am asking you to change. And I think that's where the problem comes is that straight people are not used to being asked to do things. Like, I mean, they are in, like, John, where they work very hard. They're human beings. But they're not used to and to conform. Exactly. And that's because they don't have that perspective. They haven't lived that experience. And it's like when I literally get real with people and I turn around, I'm like, I change myself 80% of the time for you when I'm out in the streets because you can't handle me in my 100% authentic self because it's way too fabulous for the structures of the straight world. And I am... I change, I change myself, I restrain myself for the first 23 years of my life because of this space that you own. And when all I ask for you is to call me a she, not me particularly, I'm using this as an example. All I'm asking is for you to call me a she. I don't feel like it's a big ask. And if you're not going to do that, you're a dickhead. Like you're a really mean person that you really can't just call me a she. You can't change one word when I've changed so much of myself to not make you feel uncomfortable and I shouldn't have had to change myself. And I think that's the big problem is that they're just not used to being asked to change. And, but we're demanding it. And like, I think there's also a, pa- a problem with passivity, like in people being passive. Like I had a friend visiting recently and I, I love him to bits and everything. He was asking all these questions from love and his heart and kindness. And he said, you know, yeah, yeah. I'm asking all these questions, but you know, I'm totally cool with like, the gay thing, and I'm cool with gay people, you know, you can do what you want, like, it's fine, like, I haven't got a problem with it. I was like, that's lovely, that's not enough, that is not enough for me. It's okay for you to be passive and just be like, oh, okay, like, I'm cool, you can do whatever you want, but that isn't enough. You have the power, you are the person who needs to be beyond that. I need you to take action, I need you to be questioning at work, I need you to be questioning in the school, I need you to be saying, hey teacher, why is this sex education only talking about straight people? Why is it not talking about gay people? Because the gay people are probably really scared in the corner to ask the questions, but you have the power. It's not enough to just be passing and say, we're cool with people doing what they want to do. You need to be working to be like, yo, I'm allowed to do whatever I want to do because I'm straight. Why can't queer people do it? How can we make this more accessible for queer people or people of color or people, trans people? That is what straight people need to be doing is being more active in making the world a better place for everyone because you've had the space for so long. We're asking, we're trying really hard here. You can see us fighting. Don't you want to help us out, dude? Like, and then you'll get all of our fabulous color and creativity as well. Like, come on, girl, let's work together, hold hands, sing, kumbaya. So I agree 100%. And speaking for myself, I think I fall into that passivity. I, like, I'm just like, I don't care. I, as long as you're happy, you can do whatever you want. 
But I'm not out there fighting for rights for LGBTQI. Or as Angie called them, the alphabet people. I'm, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not, but I think I would maybe say something if I saw something, but, I, but I'd probably fall into that category. And it, I'm not asking you to like go out and be like protest and stuff. Like I'm not asking that. It's just about being open to... It's about ask, be, get knowledgeable. Do you know what I mean? Like I was, I lived in England and I'd had one perspective my whole life living in that country being the white privileged guy. So I was like, I need to grow. Like I can't understand and I'll never understand what it's like to be Asian and, you know, and to not have my white privilege. I'll never get it. But by moving to Asia, it, I have grown phenomenally. And I'm not saying you got to move to the other side of the world either. Like I'm not asking for this, but I'm asking. But if you meet a quick, definitely broadens the horizons. And that's sure. without a doubt. And I think it's definitely... I would be a totally different person if I hadn't left Scotland. And for me, it's like, what I'm asking is like, just ask questions, get knowledge about it. Like, if you don't understand, like, oh, I don't get this whole he, they, she, transgender thing, but you can do what you want. It's like, why don't you just ask about it? Be like, okay, what is transgender then? Can you explain it to me? Because then if it's explained to you, you then understand it better. So then you can meet these people better. And when you interact with them in the workplace or in society, you can have a better connection. And then when you, if your friends are being ignorant of it, you can educate your friends. Like, it's simple. It's not, I'm not asking you to jump up and check, move on the other side of the world. I'm not asking that. I'm just asking you to ask a couple of questions. That's literally, just get, get woke, like, learn. Like, that's the thing is, like, society is about us all working together and being in the same space. And if you're not putting in the effort to learn about these people who are different from you, then you're not really playing society. You're not stepping up and therefore in my concept you don't have a right to be part of society like mainstream fun happy society if you're not putting in the work to learn about the people within your society and would you say that that passivity is kind of like a description i would say of the attitude in saigon at least to the alphabet people community that that it's passive that because i know from my conversations like you've had the, the previous episode with daniel um it's the people don't really care, which is fine. It's a start, right? It's like, okay, if that's you, that's you. But I don't, I don't see the action to then being inclusive. So I think it's, it's, that's maybe a description of, of Saigon at the moment in general. True. I mean, it's difficult for me to comment on mainstream Vietnamese society because I'm not really in it that much. I'm a very alternative underground hub, um, and I'm very happy with it. Um, I, I feel it at the moment maybe like, not within the family, within the family unit, it's extremely different. Within the Vietnamese family unit, being queer in a Vietnamese family is a whole different story. And it's something that obviously I've not experienced and I can't really comment on because I don't know what it's like. Ask a Vietnamese queer person, you have. Um, so um, listen to and the if you podcast. Haven't, yeah. <laughs> girl, yeah, if you I got you, girl. Go back to season one, listen to the episode with Daniel Duan. We actually go into detail. He's a gay man, out and proud. But he comes from a very, very traditional Vietnamese family from the north originally, which is from what we've learned on the podcast, even more conservative and traditional than the south. So if you want to hear from his perspective, go back and listen to that. Episode. But yeah, sorry, continue. No, no worries. I was about to do that whole spiel uh, that you just did. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I've listened to it. It really was, it was really interesting well, for what me, was, I, I was interested. I've never asked anyone on the podcast, what did you think of a previous podcast episode? What did you get from that episode? Uh, I found it... I think I found it interesting because he's queer in a very different way to me. Um, I'm like full blown woo party rainbows pink gay. I mean, I thought he was straight when I you know he's not. He's more yeah like um, but that's a really important lesson is like 
Where people are just people. Yeah, yeah. Somebody asked me, like... Well, that's why I stopped being homophobic, because it was just, oh, he's just a, just he's a, a person. Just a dude. It's literally... People... I've had that at so many parties, like, I'll, like, there'll be a straight guy, and I'll be like, chatting to him, we're like, da-da-da-da, and then he's like, you know, you're the first gay guy I've talked to, and you're all right, and I'm like, yeah. I'm just a dude. Yeah, like, yeah, dude, yeah. I play computer games, I hang out with my mates, they're straight, like, my boyfriend's like, I'm just a dude. But I'm just fabulous. But he's from the same place that I'm from that you've never been exposed to it. So I, even growing up, none of my friends have come out mm. 20 years after school. I don't, there was one guy in our class I know came out, but he was never, I was never friends with him. So I just didn't grow up with that. So I probably would be that guy as well, being like, oh, you're the first gay guy I've met, you're really cool. That would be me. <laughs> and you know, that's exactly what I'm about to talk about, is that's the T, you've got it right there, is... When I talk to that guy at the party, the straight guy, I'm a positive example of a queer person. And when they have that reference point of, hey, this is a gay person, they're really, really nice, that changes their opinion. And I feel like that's where Vietnam is at, is that um, when I am seen by local Vietnamese people, I feel like mainstream local Vietnamese people, there's no aggression, which is a very beautiful thing, I have to say. I prefer Asian culture. It's less aggressive. I was going to ask just quickly, what's, have you faced much discrimination here? No, no. never. That's like, amazing. perhaps, but it's in another language, so I don't care. <laughs> no, what I love is, like, Asian culture is non-aggressive, and it is beautiful. Like, when I, I had a two-year break from the West, I went back to the West, and I was like, whoa. You find it more aggressive. The West is such an aggressive society. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is. It's super capitalist. It's like, dog eat dog. That person's different to you. It's super aggressive. Like, you go out to the nightclub scene, there's always fights happening, people are drunk, and all these problems come from gender. Um, however... Um, for another point. It is. <laughs> um, so, uh, it's what I do love about Vietnam, is, like, the non-aggression. Again, different within the family scene. I'm going to always refer to that, because I want people to know, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that everything's cool, because it definitely isn't. It's just not my story to tell, and I'm very aware of it. I'm just telling you about my experience. So I think at the moment in Vietnam, when I'm viewed or queer stuff is viewed, it's kind of viewed in a comedic, kind of entertaining way. Oh, this, the mysterious, the, the elusive, the exotic. It's like, oh, this, what is this? This is bad with a big wig. And, oh. So it's seen as like in a very lighthearted way, which is fine. But not in the taken seriously. Um, it's not taken serious. And then I think on the other side is most of the reference points that people get in the world of queer people aren't always positive. I feel like when you are given a lot of the queer stuff in the world um, is whenever there's dialogue about queer stuff, it's like, oh, how poor the poor queers or, oh, talking about HIV and unsafe sex or talking about um, mental health problems, et cetera, et cetera, or fighting for rights, which are all valid things. Those are things that are happening and we do need to talk about them and there doesn't need to be a dialogue. However, my life is amazing. Like, like it's color and creativity and diversity. What it, we need more of those reference points for people to see because we need people to see queer. Uh, we need people to see. We need in mainstream society lesbian married couples who have a dog and have been together for four years and they work nine to five jobs and on the weekend they go for a nice walk and they go for lunch and that's their life. And to show little baby lesbians that if you want that life, you can have that life. You don't need to be a scissoring crazy lesbian like i mean i'm sure they do that as well (laughs) you know you can have whatever life you want it doesn't matter how you're born you can have whatever life you want i mean within reason again the privileged thing um there are some people in the world who are born they can't have any life they want but i mean like you can lead your life 
um, to a certain extent and degree in any way that you want to. Like, if you want, if you are gay, it does not mean you need to have a fan and be covered in sequins and glitter. You can literally love football and wear flip flops. Like, it, that all of that is made up. That's a construct. It's an idea surrounding sexuality or gender. Um, but what we just need, and I think that isn't in society is n- enough, is positive examples of queer people living, leading positive, normal, happy lives, which means straight people don't see that we're just normal people living our straight, happy lives. Therefore, they can't connect to us. All they see is like, oh, the problems, the issues, we need to deal with these things. And then for all the little gays, they're just not given references of happy lifestyles they can have. And they're trapped. They're like, oh, I'm gay. My life is now over. I can't be married. Um, And it also, yeah, so we just need more queer idols, more queer references, people, visibility. You need visibility. And so just to go back a point, because I hate leaving a point unanswered, Daniel's episode, what did you take from that then? I took from it, um, I think for me it was just really important to hear like his Vietnamese, his experience as a Vietnamese person within the family scene because of course I have heard those similar stories, similar but totally different from the, my local Vietnamese friends and my drag children. Um, but just to hear like, you know, him being so like out and proud as you say, but still made decisions based on his family's um, situations, which of course I'm not judging of at all um that's his experience so i thought it was a fascinating like dichotomy is that the right word like i am i am pride and i am leading my life at the same time i'm going to take some sacrifices because i care about these people and they're not in that space right now and i think that's a very beautiful thing like for people because it's something that i don't do i'm i am not going to sacrifice any part of myself anymore for for let's say for example my dad like my father like when i went back my dad really wants to have a relationship with me and um and i have no negative feelings towards my father at all like totally cool with him when I was younger we definitely had he was definitely a big part in how I my negative feelings about myself and not being accepting of myself and being for being feminine and stuff but I know that wasn't his fault he was born into that situation and that mindset and I have full compassion and understanding and forgiveness for him and I have no negativity towards him at the same time I spent 20 years of my life being wrapped up in negative thoughts that came from you, which came from another source. I'm now at a point in my life where I've formed my own families. I have limited time and energy. And I know you want me to go to the pub with you and your mates, but I ain't got time for it, babes. I'm sorry. And that isn't me being mean. That's me building and constructing my own life story that's outside of what society tells me I should do. Because I feel that what is lucky about being queer is when you're young and you're told queer is wrong, gay is wrong, and then you finally flip the switch, like, there's nothing wrong with being queer. Phew. Then you're like, hang on, society was wrong about this thing. What else have they been wrong about? (laughs) And that's the tease. Like, queer people, when people look at queer people, they think, oh, they're crazy with their costumes and they're doing all this crazy sex stuff. It's like, not all of us, for starters, but yes, we are, because... We unlocked one of the lies is that, no, being gay is not wrong. So then, because we've discovered one thing that society told us was wrong, wasn't wrong, we then start to experiment with other things. And we're like, okay, people have told me orgies are wrong. Why don't I try it? I try it as long as you're being safe, sensible. Orgies are not wrong. There's nothing wrong with having an orgy. People have told me wearing a dress if your man is wrong. Put a dress on. There's nothing wrong with this either. So it's like, 
the reason queer people, I feel, are doing all these crazy things is because we are experimenting. We're outside of what society has told us is right because we unlocked that truth, that lie at a very young age. So, yes, I am doing things that are all outside of your references and your frameworks because I've realized your frameworks are rules that do not exist. They are ideas created by straight people, straight white people, and I'm not playing your games no more. I tried your ways. It bored me to death. Because this thing, people are like, don't you just, would you want to be normal and straight? And I'm like, what do I want to... someone ever said that to you? Oh, yeah, a lot of the time. Like, people are like, if, you know, if you would get the choice, you know, like, oh, yeah, it's normal. Like, nine and nine and negative. They don't mean it in a mean way. You know, when people say, like, oh, yeah, we... You know, we're here to help you make it normal. I'm like, I don't want to be normal. If uh, if your if normal is nine to five, Monday to Friday, and then watching television every evening and like on the weekend, like going for like a couple of drinks and getting drunk on a Friday, I do not want you can keep your normal. No, thank you, no ma'am. I have my receipt, I want my life back. My life is fabulous. Like I get to create things, I meet the most interesting people who are so supportive. I learn constantly. I'm doing cool stuff like my life is fabulous because I'm choosing my life. I'm not accepting the life that's been dictated to me. Like, this is how you need to lead your life. You have to buy all this shit to be happy. You need to get married at 20. You need to do this. You need to do that. I don't need to do anything. I want to be happy and I will build my happiness through structures that I create as long as because I'm not harming anyone. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So and that's a bigger part of genderfunk. With genderfunk, I'm exploring just the gender part of that. But really like me as a person i want that to be the first stepping stone for people Mm. to then start shifting everything else up and being like stop just accepting what's been told of you and how you should lead your life and build your own life and you will be so happy and you'll meet so many cool people and if the life you want is nine to five and watching tv in the evenings that's fine as long as you're happy i don't care my final question (laughs) we're going to wrap up and then we're going to move to the questions that we finish the episode with we're living in a very interesting time, right? So even for me, I, I mentioned to you before we started, I feel like this generational shift happened within my generation. We grew up, and even yourself as well, you're not that much younger than me, dominated by old white men, right? And that's, we're still living in that, but it's slowly changing. There's more minority voices. Minorities are speaking up, as you said, and they have loud voices, and that's great for every minority, and it is changing. Where do you see, then, the future of society? 20, 30 years, because it's not going to be the same. We know that. It's not going to be old, rich, white men ruling the world. Um, I think, I feel, I feel like the world now is becoming, right, I think before it was like loads of little camps, like loads of little minority camps, loads of little liberal camps, loads of little in-between camps. But I feel like now the world is just shifting into people who want to be nice to each other and people who do not want to be nice to each other. Like, and that is the shift. It's like, a lot of our minority groups, you know, we're all cool. We just want equality for all. And there's so many straight people. The majority of straight people, I, I feel the majority of straight people, um, want that as well. They are happy with people being themselves and they want equality. Um, on the other hand, the other side of the spectrum are just people who don't want to change. And so I feel in 30 years, I feel like there's going to be more, the particulars are going to be less relevant. What's going to be more relevant is Am I being a kind person? Is is there, are people being equal? Like, um... well, I listened to a podcast which you never believe. It's called Football Feminism and Everything in Between. Have you heard of it? No. So it's Alistair Campbell. You know, he used to be Tony Blair's communications director back in the Labour heady days of New Labour in the late nineties. 
And his daughter, Gracie Campbell, is a stand-up comedian and she's a feminist activist. And so they have a podcast together. He's an old, white, rich, entitled, privileged man. She's admittedly a young, white, and privileged female, but she's a massive feminist activist. So they talk about football, which is his passion, and they talk about feminism, which is her passion, and everything in between. And I, I found it so interesting. I feel like I've learned a lot from it. And they interview people and they ask them, how much of a football fan are you on a scale of 1 to 10? And then they ask, how much of a feminist are you on a scale of 1 to 10? And they interview like really different people. Like They interview a Premier League manager, Sean Dyke. Then they interview other feminist activists. And so the answers are interesting. But she boils it down to everyone. Feminism means equality. Do you believe in equality for men and women? If you do, then you're a feminist. Right. And similar to what we talked about, there's other people who are activists who campaign and there's other people who can be maybe passive who are like, yeah, I mean, I believe in equality for women. I'm maybe not doing much about it, but I believe in that. And so, um, I don't know where I'm going with that. Where did we, where did we lift off? I, I can take you from that though. It's like, that's the tea. It's like, <clears throat> from my experience, I grew up in a very working class family. Uh, my parents weren't educated. My school never taught me about LGBT stuff. Not once in my entire education was LGBT discussed. Not once. I mean, in, from I mean, until, I, exactly until I went to college. <coughs> so you can imagine, for 16 years of my life, no one in my family would talk about my gay stuff. No one in my education system, my government never talked about gay stuff. So for 16 years, I was completely lost. I had no one to talk to about these things. I was terrified. Um, and to be that young and going through such massive mental trauma is totally unacceptable. Your brain is so fragile at that point in your life, and it's caused damage forever. I'm a crazy bitch. Uh, luckily, I used it in the right way. Um, I was then, of course, lucky enough to have a g- good education. I was even luckier to rebel and go crazy and look, search for something, and I ended up finding this festival scene. Um, uh, where people gave me this space that I've talked about before to find myself and experience myself. And when we talk about passivity and being passive, I don't even know if passivity is a word. I've probably made that shit up. But I'm English. I can make words up. It's fine. Um, yeah, there's a we originated the language. There's a definition of white privilege right there. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's, a jo- it's a RuPaul's Drag Race joke. Oh, okay. Um, and... Yeah, so it's like, look, I was given, I understand that I'm privileged and I'm very lucky on my journey to have found myself and to be in my power. So it's like, okay, I've got it now. I'm cool with myself. What am I going to do about it? Am I just going to be like, yeah, but I didn't. I, wor- I, I worked really hard to get to it and then I carried on working. I came here and I worked really, really hard to give it to more people. And that's just it. It's just, that's kindness. It's just giving to other people. It's like whatever you've learned or grow, passing on through a various different ways. Um, and as long as people do that, then we will reach quality and we will reach nice places. If everyone is just open to helping and giving and supporting, then you're going to get there. But it requires work and lots of the white straight people are very lazy. Um, they're not. They work very hard in England. Do you know what I mean? Like people are working super hard in their job, their day jobs. They are. Like I, I just think it's very important. Myself personally, as a queer person, I find it very important to recognize the struggle of white straight people because they... It is a massive struggle. Just to talk about gender very quickly is gender is outside of sexuality. Men are told they have to be strong. They're told they have to, um, they're told they shouldn't show emotion because then they'll be weak. They shouldn't be vulnerable. And I if I have pain, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? So then 
what happened? You're a human being. You're supposed to show emotion. You're supposed to let things out. You're supposed to cry if you feel sad. If as a man, we bring up our males to be like, not let emotions, all these emotions are trapped inside them. And then obviously they release it when they have a pint at the pub and it's through anger. And look around, all the men are beating each other up in pubs when they're drunk. So look at the struggle that straight white, straight white men are going through. They are going through struggles. And we well, need to open a space rates, to I think, are, uh, higher. Definitely like, uh, what's the word? Definitely a thing? Result. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're definitely yeah. a result of that. You look at, I've thought about this before, you know, yeah, they, they, I guess there's, we've talked about the straight white male and they are maligned, but they definitely have their own issues that aren't talked about enough and male suicide is one of them and where does that come from? You yeah. know, but let's not get into that because... Because I will go on for four Yeah, we all... Ah, sorry, yeah. That's we, all right. no, we no, can no. finish. Sorry, I'm really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's fine. And I hope people listen. Um, I know uh, this is for all the listeners listening. Uh, I know my episodes are long and it's something I've thought about. Most of my episodes run over an hour. And I blame it on me being Scottish, but I do find my guests really interesting and I find it really hard. I can't think of how we would have made this shorter. You know what I mean? Like the time just flies by. So if you are listening, I'm sorry if it's long. Uh, I hope you're enjoying it. We might make this into two parts because I think it might get people to listen more. I love a threesome. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. You want me to do three parts? Then? I said I love a threesome. Two, pe- two parts and me. It's, oh, there you it's go. Threesome. <laughs> so we're going we're gonna to finish up because I do feel we could keep talking. Um, we're going to do the final questions I ask everyone at the end of every episode. What kind of bike do you drive? Because this is 7 million bikes. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with Saigon traffic? I, uh, I have a Yamaha Nova. No. Is that how I say it? I think so. It's a cute story though. It's, okay. it's called the White Rose, which is after my friend Lucy Sedgwick. She was the first best friend I made when I came to Vietnam. And she's from Sheffield. So I call my bike the White Rose in her honor. She doesn't live here anymore. Um, and actually, one of my really close friends, um, Vinny from Europe, my festival scene, he drove it from Hanoi. He bought it in Hanoi, drove it to Ho Chi Minh City. No, she is fierce. The white rose is fierce. So he was in my house and he actually DJed at the first gender funk for me. And he was part of my festival scene back home. So he just gave me so much confidence. So there's a whole, so much meaning in it. And then he was on my bed on his phone. I was on the floor and I'm on my floor, like posting in bike groups. Like I'm looking to buy a bike. And he's like, are you looking to buy a bike? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, I'm trying to sell the bike that's in your house. I'm like, dude. So he sold it to me. Uh, so I have the bike. I love it to bits. Um, I got it cleaned yesterday, actually. Um, and I deal with Southern traffic in a, because I have an alternative lifestyle, I don't have to be out at rush hour. So I just don't drive at rush hour. Um, I plan my things to get about, Like Sometimes if I've been out late, not often, driving home at like one in the morning or something like that and it's like oh my god it's like a different world it's just nobody out right i just drive between like 10 and three and then after half six seven um and i don't really get into it and when i do i just breathe meditate with a mask on i need to get a new one i've just landed i've been here two weeks so i need to get one i know but my health is my last priority I'm a slave to fashion. I'm a slave to glamour, you and can't drag do kills you. Fashion or glamour or anything without your health. Anyway, I'll get off. True, my health I know. Uh, I know. I'm being seen being a little like <laughs> tell no now. Um, right, oddest thing you've seen on a bike? Uh, a giant mirror, like a massive mirror, and I was. Like, I've seen that. Honey, and I was yeah. behind it. Yeah, yeah I was behind it. I was like, <laughs> oh, honey, I look good. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, you got 24 hours off, no gender fun, no being fabulous. Well, you can be fabulous, of course, but Always. you just got 24 hours off to relax and say, go on, tell me what you're doing. 
everyone's gonna laugh at this. I would get to the Korean spa, the Golden Lotus, uh, really early. Um, I'd probably like have a, like a light breakfast. I'd go to the Golden Lotus, Korean spa, sauna spa, meditate for a few hours. Then I'd go get a nice lunch somewhere, vegetarian lunch. Where would you go? I would go to the little 25k Komchai place, because uh, um, Kudlukis, it's by uh, Tandon Market. Um, then I would probably go to some of my favorite coffee shops, like Things or Mockingbird, which are on Tantatam, and they're like a little cool warehousey thing. And I would sit, I would read, um, maybe watch some drag stuff, some art stuff. Then I'd go for a nice dinner with some friends. Maybe I'd go somewhere fancy, like Anans or something, because I rarely treat myself to stuff like that. I like District Federals as well, actually, a lot, because they have really good margaritas. They have margaritas. Um, they're gorgeous. They're so strong as well, right? I love them. Uh, yeah. They're smaller now, though. I came back after three months. They're tiny. I haven't been in a while, really. I know. Oh. Complain. Yeah, I need to uh, <laughs> District Federal, if you listen, yeah. make your margaritas bigger. Fuck your drag. Um, and then I would probably go for drinks at, like, my my new favourite place is 289E... Oh my god, what's the address? Uh, I don't even know. We can put a link in. It's a cute little queer um, bar that I've just found, or I might go. Yeah, so I do that, and then maybe in the evening I would try and catch a drag show with my friends. Um, And then probably go home, smoke a joint, and listen to Erica Badu. Sounds like a good day. Right, now you've got a week off. Where do you go in Vietnam? I would go to the north. I have. I still haven't been to Hoi An or Sapa or Halombe or anywhere. I've been so dedicated on gender funk. I didn't have a vacation for two years. That's oh. why I went home. Was so ill. I worked so much. Yeah. So um, I'm very tied to the city um, or drag where drag's been taking me. Like I've been to Taipei recently with it, and to Cambodia and stuff. So uh, I would go to the north. Yeah, yeah, but the north is amazing. And see it. I definitely recommend it. And last question: Do you have a hidden gem in Saigon that you can share? I do, and I, I literally found it very recently, but I can't even... It's so hidden that you don't know where it I is yourself. I do! Um, <laughs> no, there's this on 289E, and I can't remember the street name, but we'll post it in the link. There's, like, yeah, this yeah. cute bar. You have to go up the stairs. My friend owns it, and it's fabulously decorated. And it also has, um, like, they have different artists ex- exhibit- exhibiting their work there. Uh, my other hidden gem would be Things Cafe or Mockingbird. They're in the same complex. Um, and there's loads of little fashion, independent fashion stores there. I'm super into independent stuff. Uh, screw all that mass consumerism. Um, so go and chill and have a little coffee or a fabulous drink in there. They're beautifully decorated. Awesome. Yeah. And then if anyone is still listening, because we've been talking for so long, I challenge anyone to go back to the beginning Listen again, and you have to take a shot of booze every time Ricardo says fabulous. <laughs> You'll be drunk. You'll be dead. <laughs> we turn it into a drinking game. Yeah. Uh, I think you might die. Yeah. But that's okay. This has been a fabulous episode. Ah! <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, tell us what's coming up with you. What projects have you got going on? So, Gender uh, Funk, of course, we do regular events. We have four different events that we do. We have our main show, which is a space for you to come and explore your gender, have fun. And lead, hopefully take that back to your normal life and lead a happier life. We have Just Drag, the small, smaller, uh, earlier drag show to just enjoy the classic art of drag. Uh, we have Saigon is Burning and Hanoi is Burning, which are a platform for new artists. Super fun events to come to. And soon we'll actually be doing um, some relaunching it and doing some new cool stuff. Uh, and then we also have Don't Funk It Up, which is a like pop LGBT bangers club night with drag battles. So drag queens do lip sync battles. Uh, 
On top of that, we do like a lot of community stuff. And actually, we've just restructured Genderfunk to do... Uh, we're splitting it into the event side and then into the community sides because we want Genderfunk to be more led by the local Vietnamese young artists that we work with. So now three times a year, we will be doing a community project, um, which will be chosen by the community. So expats and local Vietnamese working together. They will structure the whole thing themselves. So I have no idea what's going to happen. It could be exhibitions. It could be pantomimes. So we're putting drag into different formats um, for a community purpose. I'm sorry, you may be able to hear Biscuit snoring in the background, but that, that's quite a common thing on this podcast. She's my co-host. Um, just quickly tell everyone, where can they find more information? Uh, you can go on to Genderfunk on Facebook. We're also on Instagram, hashtag Instagram, uh, Genderfunk. I'm so terrible at hashtagging. Oh, my God. John Mark's going to kill me. Uh, yeah, hashtag Genderfunk. Um, you can also check me out, Esther Ricardo, uh, at Esther Ricardo on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, I always share the events there. Um, come along. It's a fabulous experience. And we're also a good space uh, to find out about loads of different art that's happening in Saigon because we collaborate with a lot of the scene because we do have a lot of power, actually. We're not only the biggest party uh, in the queer scene, we're the biggest party full stop. So isn't that cool that we've taken over? The straights are gagging for us, darling. Um, So yeah, come have fun. And we'll post all of this in the show notes so you can go and click the link and find out where to go. Yeah, and just remember, like, Genderfunk, like I'm Esther Ricardo, I'm an individual, but Genderfunk is you. Genderfunk is all the people that come. And the main message Genderfunk is, as you can probably tell through what I've spoken about, is you do you. As long as it's safe and not harming others. She's doing her right now. She's doing her. <laughs> well, I think that's a perfect place to leave it. Ricardo, thank you so much. Thank you so much as well. Thanks, Fabulous questions. For contributing to the end of the podcast. <laughs> thank you very much. You know what? It's been amazing. And uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Be fabulous. Come on, you. Thanks for listening to the second part of episode eight with Ricardo. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, Definitely very interesting. And um, I really felt like we could have kept talking and talking. So I'm glad I split it into two. I hope it made it easier to listen to. And you never know, maybe we'll have him back on again for another chat because there was a lot more that we wanted to explore. And and when when we chatted after the episode, he wanted to talk a lot more about things like gender fluidity and things like that. Um, So we'll maybe come back to that. We'll see how it goes. I hope we don't get too many... uh, emails from angry white men i'm a white man and feel very privileged in life ricardo's a white man so nobody was having a go uh, that's just the reality of the world that we live in isn't it so thank you again hope you're enjoying the show send any feedback to facebook or you can go on apple Podcasts and leave a review give us a like on facebook follow on instagram you can send me an email seven million bikes at gmail.com thank you to lewis wright for the amazing theme music that you can hear and to Lane Wynn for helping me design the cover art. Make sure you subscribe where you get your podcasts and so you can tune in for future episodes. And now we're getting deep into season two. So we got a wealth of content behind us. You can go all the way back to season one. You can start at the beginning with J.K. Hobson. You can go all the way through and listen to some super interesting people that live here in Saigon. I'm having a thoroughly good time making this podcast, talking to people. I hope you're enjoying listening to it as well.
I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're like me, you may use your laptop at places where you have to use public Wi-Fi. This opens you up to digital snoopers. It's a massive problem. It can be your internet service provider, or you know who, looking at what you do online, or a cyber criminal trying to steal your bank passwords or credit card info, or even a hacker at the next table trying to steal your sensitive data. These days, it is vital that you keep your data safe. NordVPN keeps all of these snoopers away. It makes your internet activity private, protects you from accessing dangerous websites that are fishing for your data, and lets you enjoy your favorite content securely, even while away from home. And it's easy to use, even I could use it. I've actually been using NordVPN for years now here in Vietnam, and I'm excited to be an affiliate partner with them. I've used NordVPN to watch Netflix, BBC, Disney Plus with ease. And I also know that my information and data are safe from prying eyes, whoever they may be. Join now and you'll get 68% off and three months free when you go to my link, nordvpn.com forward slash SMB. Just again, for those hard of hearing, nordvpn.com forward slash SMB. The link is also in the show notes. I know nobody checks them out, but go check that out and you can get the link from wherever you are listening to this podcast. As an affiliate partner, it also means that I will get a small commission when you sign up, but at no extra cost to you. So not only will you be getting a great deal through 7 Million Bikes, you get a great VPN and you'll be supporting 7 Million Bikes podcast. Stay safe online and enjoy the shows you love. Any questions, just let me know. You know how to get in touch with me. And thanks for listening to this show. Cheers.